This is no April Fool's joke. Our March membership campaign was so successful that we're extending it through the entire month of April. Enjoy 50% off the regular monthly or annual membership price. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code NOFOOLING, one word, to receive 50% off our regular membership price of $50 per year or $5 per month. Members receive access to bonus content, an ad-free listening experience, exclusive blog posts, an invitation to join the DSR Slack community, and more. This is a limited time offer, so act now. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code NOFOOLING to receive 50% off. Thank you. It's April 17th, 2023, and this is your DSR Daily Brief. I'm Chris Cottonor. Our top stories from international outlets this morning. The New York Times reports that the forces of rival generals battling for control of Sudan clashed for a third day on Monday in the capital, Khartoum, as one of Africa's largest nations descended deeper into violence. The fighting has pitted a paramilitary group known as the Rapid Support Forces against the Sudanese army, a long-standing rivalry between Sudan's two top generals who have been vying for dominance over the northeast African nation. It was still not clear who was in control of the country, even as both sides claimed crucial victories. The death toll from the first two days of fighting rose to 97, according to the Central Committee of Sudanese Doctors. For decades, Sudan has suffered under the yoke of dictatorship coups and political instability, with successive governments overseeing widespread repression and genocidal violence, particularly in the Darfur region. The country has struggled to shake off its troubled history, even after the longtime autocrat Omar Hassan al-Bashir was ousted in 2019. On Monday, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said there was a shared deep concern among the United States and its allies over the fighting in Sudan and called for the violence to end immediately. According to Reuters, Kyiv will aim to secure the reopening of food and grain transit via Poland as a first step at talks in Warsaw on Monday, Ukraine's agriculture minister said, after Poland and Hungary announced bans on some imports from Ukraine. Some Black Sea ports were blocked after Russia's invasion of Ukraine began in February last year, and large quantities of Ukrainian grain, which is cheaper than that produced in the European Union, ended up staying in Central European countries because of logistical bottlenecks. This hit prices and sales for local farmers, putting pressure on governments that had turned to the European Union for action before Warsaw and Budapest took their own decisions over the weekend. Poland's ban on grains, in effect since Saturday evening, also applied to transit through the country. Officials said it is meant to keep grain transport from entering the Polish market. The Guardian reports that Russia's Minister of Foreign Affairs, Sergei Lavrov, is due to arrive in Brazil on Monday for talks with his Brazilian counterpart, Mauro Vieira, in the latest of a series of bilateral encounters likely to ruffle the United States. Lavrov arrives just as Brazil's president, Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, returns from a state visit to China 
and both missions are part of a diplomatic reset Lula has pursued since returning to power this year as he strives to recover Brazil's international reputation after his predecessor, Jair Bolsonaro, dismantled Brazil's established tradition of cooperation. For Brazil, that means rebuilding and maintaining ties with all partners, regardless of geopolitical tensions elsewhere. It is a pragmatic approach, too. Brazil's top trading partners are China and the United States, while the South American country relies heavily on Russia for fertilizer imports. But Lula also harbors more ambitious foreign policy objectives and even aspires to Brazil playing a peacekeeping brokering role in the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Elsewhere, the Washington Post continues its deep dive on the intelligence documents leaks, reporting that the Russian government has become far more successful at manipulating social media and search engine rankings than previously known, boosting lies about Ukraine's military and the side effects of vaccines with hundreds of thousands of fake online accounts, according to documents recently linked on the chat app Discord. The Russian operators of those accounts boast that they are detected by social media networks only about 1% of the time, one document says. That claim, described here for the first time, drew alarm from former government officials and experts inside and outside social media companies contacted for this article. The undated analysis of Russia's effectiveness at boosting propaganda on Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, Telegram, and other social media platforms cites activity in late 2022 and was apparently presented to U.S. military leaders in recent months. It is part of a trove of documents circulated in a Discord chat room and obtained by the Washington Post. Political Europe has a piece this morning claiming that Turkey's upcoming election could be the most important of 2023. It falls 100 years after the foundation of Mustafa Kemal Ataturk's secular republic, and if Erdogan wins, he will be empowered to put even more of his stamp on the trajectory of a geostrategic heavyweight of 85 million people. The fear in the West is that he will see this as his moment to push toward an increasingly religiously conservative model characterized by regional confrontationalism with greater political power centered around himself. The election will weigh heavily on security in Europe and the Middle East. Who is elected stands to define Turkey's role in the NATO alliance, its relationship with the United States, the EU and Russia, migration policy, Ankara's role in the war in Ukraine, and how it handles tensions in the eastern Mediterranean. The May 14th vote is expected to be the most hotly contested race in Erdogan's 20-year rule, as the country grapples with years of economic mismanagement and the fallout from a devastating earthquake. According to Al Jazeera, a United States warship has sailed through the Taiwan Strait in what the country's navy described as a routine transit just days after China ended its latest war games around the island. In a statement on Monday, the U.S. Navy's 7th Fleet said the Arleigh Burke class-guided missile destroyer USS Milius sailed through the Taiwan Strait on Sunday. The warship conducted a routine Taiwan Strait transit through waters where high seas freedoms of navigation 
and overflight apply in accordance with international law, it said. The ship's transit demonstrates Washington's commitment to a free and open Indo-Pacific. China said on Monday it had tracked the U.S. warship through the Taiwan Strait, adding that Washington had hyped up the transit. The AP reports that the Delaware judge overseeing a voting machine company's $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit against Fox News announced late Sunday that he was delaying the start of the trial until Tuesday. The case centers on whether Fox defamed Dominion voting systems by spreading false claims that the company rigged the 2020 presidential election to prevent former President Donald Trump's re-election. Records produced as part of the lawsuit showed that many of the network's hosts and executives didn't believe the allegations but aired them anyway. A trial would test press freedom and the reputation of conservatives' favorite news source. It would also illuminate the flow of misinformation that helped spark the January 6, 2021 insurrection at the U.S. Capitol and continues to fuel Trump's hopes to regain power in 2024. Fox News stars Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity and founder Rupert Murdoch are among the people who had been expected to testify. Barring a settlement, opening statements are now scheduled for Tuesday. In lighter news from the UPI, a Spanish extreme athlete emerged from a cave in Grenada after spending 500 solitary days, 230 feet underground. Beatrice Flamini, 50, entered the cave on November 21, 2021, with an aim to learn more about the effects of solitude and deprivation on the human mind and body. Flamini, who was monitored from afar by a team of scientists, said she lost count of the days after about two months and thought only 160 to 170 days had elapsed when she reached the project's goal of 500 days. The athlete said she passed the time during her stay in the cave by reading, writing, drawing, exercising, and knitting. Flamini's support team said she read 60 books during the 500 days in the cave. Two cameras documented her time underground for an upcoming documentary about the project. That's all the news I have for you today. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that more people can find the show. If you have a tip, topic, or correction you'd like to flag for us, please email us at podcasts at thedsrnetwork.com. Members of the DSR Network will receive an evening newsletter version of the DSR Daily Brief. If you want more in-depth discussion of these issues, be sure to follow the links in the show notes to read our sources and tune in to our sister podcasts on the DSR Network. Stay safe and stay tuned to the DSR Daily Brief.